Today's New Testament reading is from Revelation, the fourth chapter. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had an appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 4 is where the actual revelation given to John truly begins. And it doesn't stop until the final chapter of this gospel-laden book. John tips us off to what's going on here when he tells us about seeing a door to heaven standing wide open. And that's the first amazing thing. He's here on earth, and suddenly he sees the heavenly reality that invisibly permeates and overlaps with the earth, describing it like a door wide open. The invisible reality becomes a visible reality, just as it did for Elisha when the heavenly hosts appeared on the hills. Or Jesus' inner circle witnessed Christ present with Moses and Elijah. Now John sees reality unveiled. And he's invited to come and see what's going on in heaven regarding what's happening on earth. In fact, that's the whole point of chapters 4 and 5. To introduce the whole sequence of prophecies that will take us all the way to the end in chapter 22. But we have to always bear in mind that this book is full of victory and security for those who are marked by the Lamb, those who are baptized into Christ Jesus. And for them, no matter how remarkable these visions may be, the Lamb who was slain has redeemed them to the uttermost. The dazzling sight, of course, in fact, the most dazzling sight is that of God himself, seated on the throne with his hosts around him. John sees this. And it's a vision similar to Ezekiel's, where the symbolism depicts God in control of human history, bringing it to his ultimate purposes, despite the machinations of his enemies. He sees that there's a rainbow, too. 
evoking God's covenant promises made to the earth and its inhabitants in the days of Noah. And so John knows that this vision has global consequences and cosmic implications. The next scene confirms this. The heavenly council, the 24 crowned elders sitting on thrones, combine both the 12 tribes of Israel and the holy apostles of Christ as the royal priesthood representing the perfection of all God's people, both Jews and Gentiles throughout the earth. This vision then is clearly of global proportions. Then there's lightning and thunder fire explodes, singling something utterly momentous about to take place or that he'll about to see. And, and, and that's what happens. John sees what it is. The sea, evocative of chaos and evil and death in Jewish imagery. The sea is encased in glass or becomes glass-like. Either way, the meaning is the same. Evil and death has been contained, overthrown by the one who sits on the throne. And so again, the message is clear. There is nothing to fear. The lamb has the victory. God sits on the throne, not Caesar, not ideologies, not idols. No, the God of Israel and the lamb rule and reign, and they do so through victory. And this is reality unveiled. This is how we're to understand reality even now. God is in control, and he rules and reigns by the victory of the lamb. The next thing that happens is a surprise to worship. Two songs break out, first in verse 8 and then the second one in verse 11. The first song is sung continually by the four tetramorphs, as they're known, creatures that resemble the seraphim in Isaiah's vision of the temple and Ezekiel's vision too. Their song is a representative act of adoration. In them and what they represent, we see that all creation is dependent upon God and called upon to worship him. But the climax of the passage comes with the second song sung by the 24 elders. And while all creation, including animals and trees and mountains and skies, worships God, showing forth his handiwork and invisible power and majesty, the human beings who represent God's people understand why they do so. You deserve, they say, to receive glory and honor and power because you created all things. That word because is the whole point. He is worthy because he is the creator, redeemer, God. Because he is the sovereign Lord and King. Because he is the Savior. Worship then is what we were made for. And it isn't mindless droning worship, but worship fueled and impassioned by that great because. Because he is as his word. Because he is the creating and redeemer, Lord of all, he is worthy. When therefore we engage in worship, be it never so routine or ordinary, we are doing that for which we were made. Like those 24 elders. We are being a royal priesthood, facilitating the mindful praise and adoration of all creation. Never are we being more authentically human. Never are we closer to fulfilling the divine purposes for humanity. Never are we more in step with our God-given vocations as humans than when we are worshiping the creator-redeemer in spirit and in truth. So what John sees is the reality of what's taking place in heaven. That same heaven that saturates our dimension is worship of the creator who's in charge and in control. 
That vision of what's happening there is precisely what's supposed to be happening here. And this is why we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as to conform our worship with the happenings of heaven, so then both word and the sacraments, the door of heaven may be open to us as well, and we may be the recipients of God with us in Christ through the gospel and the blessed sacraments. We of all people are equipped with the because of worship. Because the lamb was slain and because he has risen, do we praise and adore the promise-making, promise-keeping God. Our worship is to ever be infused with the knowledge of Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ reigning. That's the great because. And because he was slain, And because he now reigns, he deserves all glory, honor, and power, and he always will. Amen.